Hey, good morning, and welcome to River Ridge Church, and what's up? <laughs> so, hope you enjoyed that video, our little bumper video. is kind of fun to make. Uh, so, I don't know if you heard, but 2020 was kind of a difficult year. Uh, there was this thing called COVID. We couldn't travel around. Schools were in and out. We had to socially distance. You probably heard about that. Uh, it's actually keeping continuing in 2021. But uh, 2020 was a tough year. And so we decided we want to start 2021 with just a way to be generous and love our community in a kind of a new, fresh, creative way. Uh, and so at River Ridge, we're having a 2021 New Year's Day 5K uh, and basically the way this works uh, is that any time between a couple days ago, the 31st of December and January 10th, that you can run a 5K or walk a 5K or jog a 5K or stroll or bike one, however you want to do your 5K. Uh, and as your entry fee, what you're going to do is you are going to give $21 to the charity or organization of your choice. Uh, and then River Ridge will match that $21 donation. So it's the year 2021. So that's where the 21 comes from. Uh, and then we will match that. And so instead of getting $21, that organization will get $42. So that's the way that works. Um, so some folks have already run it or begun training. So here's a couple folks uh, who have run it. Show you some pictures here. So this is Sherry and Amber. Uh, and Sherry and Amber, one of them is running for the American Heart Association. Uh, and the other is running for the Hubbard Hospice House. Uh, and so we're matching their donations. Uh, here's a picture of my son, Riley. He is running uh, for Median Leadership, uh, an organization on the west side of Charleston that we are partnering with to help reach middle school and high school students through faith and sports outreach. Uh, and then you may be wondering, like, you know, how young can you be to run this? And so this is John, uh, and he is running for Mountain Mission, and he is a great grandfather. So anybody can do this thing. All you have to do is go online uh, and sign up. There's a link in the comments right now. Uh, you say where you're going to give your money. You run it on your own time, whatever place you want to run. And then we will match that. So I encourage you to be a part of this as just a way to start 2021 in a fresh, generous, thinking of others sort of way. You know, as people begin New Year's, some people think a lot about New Year's resolutions. Some people don't like New Year's resolutions. Uh, but here's something that I want to encourage you to do. Uh, if you are the parent of a preschooler or the parent of an elementary student, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to create a rhythm this year, is to make sure that as a part of your Sunday morning routine, that you watch the videos and do a little conversation with your preschool or elementary age kids. They're on their new Fresh Every Week, riverridge.church, uh, to look at those, and just to make that, either before you watch Big Church here, or maybe right afterwards, but make that, create a rhythm in your family to do that. And, and I really want to do that, and you know, I'm, I'm so committed to you doing this, that I even went to my thesaurus, and I want to encourage you, challenge you, implore you, beseech you, plead with you, entreat you, request you, and urge you to create a rhythm with your kids where you're watching the video with them and having a discussion as part of your Sunday morning routine. So if you want to call that a New Year's resolution or a new rhythm, whatever that is, is fine with me. So let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we have this opportunity to look into your word. Um, and God, I'm just excited about this morning. And I pray, God, that you would um, 
Show us the things that you want us to know and understand about our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are beginning a new sermon series today. And I am uh, as excited about this sermon series as I think I have been about any sermon series. Uh, And the title is What's Up or What's Up, depending on how you want to pronounce that. Um, But what we're going to do is we're going to look and we're going to say what's up with five key relationships in our lives. And I'm so excited about this because 2020 was a hard year. It's difficult in so many ways. And I think when we begin a new year, it's an opportunity to kind of start fresh and say, here are five very important relationships in my life, and where am I at with these? And so we're going to start this morning with me and God. What's up with my relationship with me and God? Uh, And then the next three weeks, we'll be looking at key relationships with other people, relationship with spouse, relationship with kids, and then relationship with friends. Uh, And then the last week, we'll finish up with what's our relationship with money. And I feel like these things are so important because how we do in these relationships determine so much of the contentedness of our lives. And I love doing evaluation type stuff. I love to evaluate things in my own life. I love to help other people evaluate things. And so I'm super excited about this series. And I hope that you will be as well as we talk through this. So here's a a leadership um, phrase that I love. It comes from a guy named Max Dupree. uh, And he says this. He says, the first job of a leader is to define reality. The first job of a leader is to define reality. Now, he used that in a business type of sense, but we're going to take that same leadership principle and recognize that we are leaders in our own lives, and we're going to say, okay, the first job, if we're going to talk about me and God, is to define the reality of the current situation. There's another leadership phrase that I love, and I'm not sure who invented this, or maybe everybody uses this, but I first heard it at a church leadership conference Uh, And it was this, it's this idea that the role of a leader is to take people from here to there. And so we we put these two together, and so the first job of a leader is to define the reality. What is here, and then what is there? So that's kind of part one, what is here? Part two is what is there? And then the third part is how do we get from here to there? And whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, this is true just about all of life. It's like, what is here? What is there? And and how do we get there? But we're going to take this this morning and say, let's look at this in terms of our relationship with God. Now, as we talk about this relationship with us and God, we need to ask, and really this is true of anything, but we need to ask, how are we going to define what is here and how are we going to define what? What is there? Because if we're in the wrong kind of starting place, if we're not defining it right, then we're not, if if we're here, we're going to end up there, and there is not even the right place that we want to enter or end up. I'll give you an example, not at all to do with spiritual stuff or church stuff at all, but, you know, imagine that you are, or imagine that I am, let's say I am the, uh, I own an ice cream shop, right? And so I'm like, okay, I want my ice cream shop to be successful, and so I'm going to define here uh, as I know, and I have memorized 42 flavors of ice cream, okay? I like ice cream. I've memorized 42 flavors, and the there that I want to get to is I want to memorize another 42 flavors of ice cream, right? So I will have uh, 84 flavors of ice cream memorized. That's my here to there. Now, That is a here to there, and I can figure out how to memorize them. 
But that doesn't really help to have a successful ice cream shop, does it? Like, I can memorize all the flavors, uh, but an ice cream shop is good service and good ice cream and all that kind of stuff, profitability and employees and whatnot. That doesn't really help me to have a good ice cream shop. I have misdefined both here and there. And the same is true when it comes to our current reality of what it means with us and God. If we don't have the right here and the right there, then nothing else really matters. You know? And so one option would be, well, let's define here by how much do I know? How much Bible do I know? How much theology do I know? You know, and we could, we could give out a test to everybody at Riverridge, a 100-question test every year, and we could have questions like, uh, what's the second book of the Bible? And go, okay, I know that. And then you say, well, what's the first miracle that Jesus performed? And some people would know that. And we say, and list as many of the one-chapter books of the Bible. And you go, oh, gosh, I know a couple of them. I don't know how many there are. And you kind of guess at that. And then we could you know, make the end of the test a little bit harder. Is Define the doctrine of the of the deity of Christ without using the gospel of John. It's like, whew, that'd be kind of hard. And, and we could grade that, and we would all get a score. And we'd say, okay, well, my score this year was a 34 out of 100, and so I'm going to study up real hard on the Bible and theology, and next year I'm going to hopefully get a, I don't know, a 51 or whatever it might be. But that doesn't really define how we are with God. It defines what we know, but it doesn't really define the relationship with us and God. You know, or we could come up with kind of an obedience type of checklist. You know, I don't drink, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do. Like, that's my checklist. You know, or we could say, well, I'm going to look at the, the Ten Commandments. I'm going to go through those and say, well, how many of those did I obey or disobey or follow or break today? Or we could go through a list from the, the New Testament. There's all kinds of lists of, of sins and commandments. Galatians 5, sexual immorality, impurity sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness. And we could kind of make a checklist and say, well, I did this, I didn't do that. We put it in two columns and we say, okay, well, this is how much I obeyed God this week. And so I'm going to try really, really hard to obey God more and we'll see how I do next week. That would be a here or there. But again, that doesn't really get at our relationship with God. Now, those things, I'm not saying that what you know about the Bible isn't important. I'm not saying that obeying God is important. But that doesn't define the essence of what it means to have relationship with God. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at a passage. And this is in the Gospel of Mark, if you want to turn there. Mark chapter 12. But it's a passage where Jesus is having an interaction with a group of people, and through this interaction, we're going to see what does it look like for us to evaluate where am I at with God, where am I at with me and God. And what we're going to do is, after we look at this interaction, we're going to walk away with five questions that are going to be incredibly helpful for us to figure out where we're at with God. And then we're going to spend just the last couple of minutes this morning of saying, okay, well, this is where we are that's where we want to be. And then how do we get from here to there in just kind of just the last few minutes? So this is Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And it says this. It says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. 
And seeing that he had answered them well, seeing that Jesus had answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And so what you have here is you've got a scribe, uh, and there's all these kind of religious leaders. There's Pharisees, there's scribes, there's experts in the law um, who are around, and they're having this kind of inter- interchange dialogue with Jesus. And so one of them comes up, and he asks him this question. And you can even see you know, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, that they kind of defined me and God by how much they knew or how much they obeyed. And so he comes up, he asks him this question. You can kind of see it even in the question. He says, well, what's the most important commandment? He's kind of checking his knowledge, and he's checking about his kind of obedience or how much he knows about the commandments. And Jesus gives an answer here uh, that is an answer that, interestingly enough, is an incredibly simple answer. It's not a complex answer. It's, it's a simple answer, and it's an answer that everybody there listening already knew. As a matter of fact, it's an answer that, they learned from the time that they could speak as Jewish children growing up. But he answers them this way. Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So Jesus flips this question around. Instead of saying, what's the most important commandment? He flips it around and he says, no, the way that we define us and God, it's defined by a growing love relationship with him. He makes it incredibly simple, but at the same time incredibly challenging as we think about what does it mean to have a growing love relationship with God. And so in this response, he gives five characteristics that define a love relationship with God, to define how are me and God doing. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at those five, and with each one of them, we're going to come out with a question to help us to evaluate how are we doing with God. So the first one is, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So there's a book uh, uh, in the Old Testament called Ezekiel, and kind of a hidden jam of a verse in there. And this is Ezekiel 36, 26 says, and I, this is God speaking, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So what he's saying is, he's saying that God, God is saying, you have a heart of stone. It means that your heart is self-centered and self-interested and just thinks about you. It doesn't care about God, doesn't care about the people. You have this heart of stone. And I'm going to take this heart of stone, and I'm going to take it out of you, and I'm going to replace it with a heart of flesh. And a heart of flesh is a heart that seeks after God. It's a heart that longs for God. It's a heart that thinks about the things of God. And so the question that we ask is related to the heart is this, is do I long for God in my life? Do I long for God in my life? And a part of what love is, it's the affection that we have. It's the emotional kind of center of our lives. Do you have an emotional affection, attraction, desire for God? That's the first question. And as we do this, I encourage you to be honest with yourself. Like, don't just say, well, yeah, that's what I want. Ask yourself, 
what's the reality of my heart? Do I have a longing affection for the things of God, to be with God? Do I have that in my heart right now? Now, you may go, well, I don't, but that's what I want. But that's fine, too. Because what we're doing is we're evaluating where we, what's the here, and then the there is like, well, that's what I would like it to look like. I'd like to have more affection, and so that's the there that you think about. Here's the second one. It's love the Lord your God with all your soul. Our soul, and it's kind of hard to define, hard to understand sometimes, but our soul, simply put, is this. It is the spiritual epicenter of our lives. It's the spiritual epicenter of our lives. And this is uh, what Jesus says about our souls. This is Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. There's a lot to our souls, but what I want us to see here is what Jesus says is finding rest for your soul. And so the question for us is, do you love the Lord your God with all of your soul? The question is this, is do I find my rest in God? Do you find your rest in God? When, when life is hard, when life deals you a tough blow, when you've had a hard day at work, when you've had a hard day with your kids, if you've had a hard time with your husband, if you've had a hard time because of something that's happened, when life is difficult and hard, where do you go? Where do you find rest for your soul? You know, do you turn to a friend? You know, do you turn to a, a book? Do you turn to a glass of wine? Do you turn to binge watching a TV show for a while? Do you turn to taking a nap? Do you turn to sex? Do you turn to, what do you turn to? You know, maybe you turn to a big bowl of chocolate ice cream with whipped cream and hot fudge that you get out of the refrigerator or out of the freezer, and that's what you turn to. That's what I sometimes turn to. Like we turn to different things when our souls need rest. And so the question is, do I find my rest in God? Where do you turn when life gets hard? That shows where you are with you and God, with me and God, of where I turn for my soul to find rest. And, and I ask these questions, and the point of this is not to beat you up or to beat me up and say, well, you're not doing enough. No, it's, again, we're trying to find where is he or where am I? Let's take an honest look. And, and by the way, I phrase these questions as yes-no questions, and I don't intend them to be as yes-no questions. It's not like, number one, no. Number two, no. It's more like, well, well, sometimes, you know, sometimes I find my rest in God. And when life gets hard, I take a walk and I just pour out my heart to God. But, but sometimes when stuff happens, I just drown my sorrows in this or in that. You know, but to ask the question, where do you find rest for your soul? To ask yourself the question, do I long for God? And again, it's not a yes, no. It's, well, sometimes it's this and sometimes it's that. But to evaluate that in your own life. Here's the next one, is love the Lord your God with all of your mind. Colossians 3, 2 says this, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Where do you set your mind? Is your mind fixated on things above the things of God, or are you constantly thinking about things of the earth? 
And so we phrase the question this way when it comes to the mind. Is do I think about God throughout the day? Do you think about God throughout the day? We're always thinking. At least my mind is always racing. You know, sometimes I'm daydreaming. Sometimes I'm thinking about stuff. I'm in the shower. My mind is wandering. I'm driving down the road. I'm focusing on driving, but listen to the radio or this or that. I mean, we're always thinking about stuff. And, and when you're just kind of thinking about nothing, so to speak, when you're daydreaming, does your mind wander towards the things of God? Or does it wander towards other things? You know, nearly all of us, or probably all of us, on a Sunday morning, we're thinking about the things of God, and that's great. Okay, that's part of the here. You know, maybe for a lot of us, you spend some time with God each morning in prayer, reading the Bible, or maybe at mealtime, you go, okay, well, I'm thinking about the things of God at those points in time. But with the rest of life, does your mind also go to the things of God, or it's just like, hey, man, it's once a week on a, on a Sunday morning, or it's maybe three or four or five times on a, you know, in the morning or in the evening when I'm praying as I go to bed. But I would ask you, and i say, well, what would the there look like? What would it look like if a lot of the time in my life that my mind wandered to the things of God instead of the things of earth? Here's the, here's the next one. Love the Lord your God with all of your strength. Okay? And so strength is this. It's expressing our love by the way that we participate with him on God's mission. God has a mission. God has a vision for the world. And so it's when we use our strength to focus and to be with God on that. So we put it this way. The strength is, am I using my talents and resources for God's mission? Am I using my talent and resources for God's mission? You know, we talked about this over the summer a little bit. We, said, we talked about our time our talents, and our treasure. And, and do you use your time and your talent and your treasure for God's mission? And again, this is not a yes, no question. You go, well, yeah, I do. I give a little bit of money. I volunteer here. I've got a talent for this, and I use it for God. That, that's great. That defines what is here. But the question is what's here, but also what is there? And so what would it look like to go from wherever you're at with the here, with your time, your talent, and your treasure, to what is the there? You know, and maybe the there is not that far away for what God wants for you this year. Maybe you know, he wants you to give 50 more dollars a month to some charity or to River Ridge or whatever it is. Say, okay, that's the, that's the there. You know, or maybe it's a bigger thing where you say, God is saying, you know, instead of just giving if you've got extra, I want you to give to me first. And, and it's easy to define it when it comes to with money because we can kind of count it and whatnot. But we can apply the same thing with our time and our talents and say, well, what's here? What am I doing? And then where does God want me to go next? And God always defines the there for us. Like We evaluate where am I at with God, but what we want to do is get with God and say, okay, God, where do you want me to be? What is the there? And then here's the last one. Jesus says, and the, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and what Jesus is putting together here, he's saying, that when you talk about love, it cannot be separated from our love for people. You can't say, I love God with these ways, but it doesn't affect my relationship with people. Our love for God is unseparable, unseparatable, that's the word, from our love or the way that we care for people. We can't just go, well, it's this or it's that. They are absolutely overtwined and interlaid with each other. 
Now, the passage that I read to you about, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself, that's out of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, this uh, a very similar type of interaction, or maybe even the same interaction told a different way, is also in the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke chapter 10. And I'm not going to read it all, but at the end of that interaction, the person asking the question says he wants to justify himself. Wanting to justify himself, he said, who is my neighbor? And then out of that comes a parable that you're probably familiar with. Even if you're not a church person, you've probably heard about the parable of the Good Samaritan. We have the law, we have Good Samaritan laws written in our country. Okay, But Jesus goes and he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan about, you know, I won't go into all, all the detail, but basically people pass by on the other side of the road, and then the Samaritan comes up and helps the injured person. And then Jesus asks, and this is Luke chapter 10, he asks the person who initiated this conversation, he asks him this question. He says, um, and who is your neighbor? He concludes by asking, um, and who is a neighbor to the injured man? And this is his response. He says, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. So who is a neighbor? What does it mean to love? Jesus says, it's to show mercy. And so the, the fifth question, the fifth evaluation question is this, is am I showing mercy to others? Am I showing mercy to other people? And, and that's, we kind of look at that kind of in a, in a broad sense, but also in a specific sense, in, in the sense of like, am I showing mercy to the people that I'm close to? Am I showing mercy to people who are maybe I'm not so close to? Am I showing people mercy to the people that I like and compassion to the people that I like? But also, am I showing mercy and compassion to the people that I don't like as well, the ones that are hard to love? Am I showing mercy and compassion to those people who look like me and act like me and, and live where I do? But am I also, am I showing mercy and compassion to those who look different than me, that live differently than me? That as well. Am I showing mercy? And so we can ask these five questions. And that helps us to define what is here, but it also helps us to define as we get with God and say, okay, God, what is the there? This is, I know what here is. What does there look like? So that's the first and second question, the first and second part. What's here and what's there? But then we get to this thing and we say, well, how do I get from here to there. That's the $64 million question. How do I get from here to there? And I could spend another 30 minutes talking about it. I could do an entire five-week sermon series on how do we get from here to there. But instead, I want to give you, sum it up in two words. And the two words are this. Spiritual disciplines. Those are the things that we do to grow our relationship with God. Okay, spiritual disciplines. And here's just a couple of them. Reading God's Word. Praying, journaling, writing down what we're learning, being in community with other people, serving other people. Those are a few spiritual disciplines. There's a lot more, but those are kind of a few of the main ones. And it's important to understand, those spiritual disciplines, they are a means to an end. Those are not the end in and of themselves. We don't measure our relationship with God by how many chapters of the Bible did I read. We don't measure, we don't evaluate my relationship with God based on how many minutes I prayed today. 
We don't measure our relationship with God based on how many pages in a journal I filled up today. Those are means to an end. They're good, they're valuable, they're important, but their goal is to help us to grow in our love relationship with God and then to do these things and then we ask these same five questions again and say, these spiritual disciplines are helping me get from here to there. One of the things that I'm super excited about for this new year is to do a reading plan together, all of us at River Church, as we begin this year, uh, as we begin 2021. And so we put together a reading plan, and it's wisdom for the new year, wisdom for the year. Uh, It looks like this. You can download it uh, from the River Ridge website, riverridge.church slash wisdom, or you can click on the next steps and uh, read the Bible plan. You can get to it both ways. Uh, But basically what this is, is this is a spiritual discipline that I want all of us at Riverridge to embark upon so that we can go from here to there in our relationship with God. And it's really very simple. We've done it in such a way that everybody can do it. So what you're going to do is we've taken the the book of Proverbs uh, and we've divided it out into basically about a half a chapter a day, five days a week. And so what you're going to do is you're going to read that half a chapter. It'll be 10 verses, maybe 12, maybe 15 verses. And what you're going to do is you're going to read that twice. Just read it twice through. And then write down, or type in the notes on your phone, write down what verse stood out to you the most. You read it once. You read it a second time. Write down the verse. And then throughout the day, just think about that verse. Meditate on it. Consider what does it mean to live that verse out. Just reflect on it throughout the day. And that's it. And then you wake up the next morning and you do the same thing. You read it twice, write it out, write out what proverb makes the, stands out to you most, and then you think about it throughout the day, and then you do it the next day. And I encourage you to take on this discipline uh, because what it will do, again, it will help you to move from here to there in your relationship with God. Now, I recognize that I have thrown a ton, a ton of stuff out at you. And this is a kind of sermon, like you could probably listen to it again and, and go and listen to it again if you want, because there's a lot of information in here. And you go, gosh, there's so much. How do I process this? What do I do with it? A number of years ago, I called a friend and I had some questions. I was trying to figure some stuff out. And I asked him a bunch of questions and he gave a little bit of feedback here and there. And then I said, what do I do? And his response, and I'll, I'll never forget it, he said this. He said, Matt, no one knows what to do better than you do because you're right in the middle of it and you're living it and i would put out the same challenge the same question to you no one knows better what to do with this information that you have than you and so you get with god and figure out what's your next step let's pray together god thank you for this opportunity that we had today to look into your word just the richness and fullness of it and to evaluate how are we doing with our relationship with god And I pray that you would show us and point us to those next steps in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching. And I also want to just say, if you don't have a relationship with God, get in touch with us. We would love to help you start a new relationship with God. Have a great Sunday.